Nation, Rob McGregor, welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the Mystical Underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Trish McGregor. And Rob McGregor. And our tech magician, John Posey. You can go to themysticalunderground.com where we make regular posts and where you can find out about our books. Our most recent nonfiction book, Phenomena Harnessing Your Psychic Abilities, Trish's latest novel is Skin Shifters, and Rob's latest novel is Toolbus. Okay, our guest today is uh, Preston Dennett. And Preston began investigating UFOs and the paranormal in 1986 when he discovered that his uh, family, friends, and co-workers were having dramatic, unexplained encounters. Since then, he has interviewed hundreds of witnesses and investigated a wide variety of paranormal phenomena. He is a field investigator for MUFON, uh, UFO, Mutual UFO Network, uh, a ghost hunter, a paranormal researcher, and the author of 26 books and more than 100 articles on UFOs and the paranormal. His latest book, which we'll be talking about, is called Wondrous, 25 True Accounts. And just want to mention that if you want to contact uh, Preston, his website is um, PrestonDennett.Weebly, that's W-E-E-B-L-Y.com. Welcome, Preston. Welcome, Preston. <laughs> Thanks, Trish. Thanks, Rob. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So you've written all these UFO books over the years, probably more than uh, any single writer from this planet on the subject. <laughs> so uh, now, uh, in recent months, there's been this uh, uptick, this surge of interest in UFOs in the mainstream media and all the way to the U.S. Congress. What do you make of it, and how has it affected your research? Uh, well, I'm very excited, actually. It's the first time we've had any official or any movement, really, from, you know, official circles in decades. Yeah. And seriously, they have completely ignored this subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not ignoring it anymore. I'm not sure we're going to get full disclosure. But very we'll happy to see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tiny step forward for all humankind. Well, you know, Rob and I were talking this morning. He mentioned that that Neil Grayson, he thinks it's a, a software glitch. I mean, <laughs> of the, how, of the uh, you know the, the, Na- the Navy, uh, uh, yeah, the Navy radar videos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neil Neil's on my naughty list. Shame on him. He knows better. <laughs> I mean, he seriously, he's. Huh. Yeah, yeah he, he'll always find a way for some. Yeah, which the skeptics definitely will find, you know, some excuse or some explanation until they're face-to-face, I guess. With, with an uh, alien. <laughs> yeah, I'm sending one his way. <laughs> right. yeah. But yeah, the, the, I am getting a lot more interest in this subject. My phone's ringing off the hook. Oh, that's so, uh, good. This is definitely good news, I think, for humanity at large. This is a subject that will eventually, I think, be taught in schools, one that we're oh. going to have to deal with. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely a step forward. 
definitely. Uh, are you finding that people are more willing to talk publicly now about their experiences, or at least with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's changed quite a bit since I first got involved in this field. And this past year or two even, uh, even more, even more so. Yeah, a lot of people are finally coming forward and speaking about their experiences. Right, that's interesting. Uh, so uh, how did you get involved in UFO research? I know you say your family, friends, of, uh, uh, had, uh, co-workers have had experiences, but what about you? Have you had also had experiences yourself? Um, yeah, yeah. I got involved in this field kicking and screaming, really. Uh, <laughs> I was not happy. I was skeptical. Mm -hmm. Finding out that I knew a lot of people who were having these experiences, people I loved and trusted. Yeah, uh, was a bit scandalizing, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I have had a lot of experiences actually. Uh, not really until I started researching it. I don't know. I'm a little bit on the fence about that because there are a few weird childhood experiences, uh, but I've definitely had some major sightings um, to the point where, yeah, I think to some degree I've been in contact with these guys. Hmm. Have you ever been abducted? I going to leave that as an open question <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I'm not sure. Honestly, uh -huh. I, I did have a, an experience that was very odd. Driving home one evening in 1992, late July, it was you know after 11 p.m., maybe, mm -hmm. maybe close to midnight, and uh, was driving through Woodland Hills. This is a pretty densely populated suburb. I had just left my brother's house talking about UFOs late into that night. Oh, and uh, suddenly this, well, I thought it was a bird, comes swooping down from about 300 feet high towards my car. And I could see instantly, well, it's not a bird. And I mm. thought, well, could this be a firecracker? Because, <laughs> you know, it's late July and it was clearly glowing, whatever this was. And no, it wasn't a firecracker because it swooped right down and stopped right in front of my windshield. Oh. And it was a little ball of light, like, oh. a, go like a golf ball. Oh. And when I say in front of my windshield, I mean it. I mean, this was a foot away, maybe two feet, but over the hood of my car. And, uh, Did you so freak out? <laughs> um, not in a scare scared way. Mm -hmm. um, you I stopped? Came, um, I, yeah, I came to a complete stop. Uh -huh. uh, my jaw dropped, my eyes popped <laughs> wide open. <laughs> And I watched this thing dart around back and forth and scoop forward and then went straight upward. Uh -huh. And it was gone. And then here's where I think, you know, this, this is what leaves me scratching my head. Yeah. I don't remember driving home. Oh, okay, missing time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And that took me a, a year to come to, you know, realize. I, I completely forgot about the entire sighting. For, uh -huh. Yeah, almost, uh, uh, oh, I'm not quite sure, a few months. It just popped into my head one day. I'm like, huh, why, <laughs> why didn't I turn around? How did I forget this? Right, and that seems to be uh, something that uh, others have experienced as well. It's like uh, the attempt to blank out your mind, your memory of the experience uh, for whatever reason, maybe not to uh, uh, shock you or send you into some... Uh, psychosis or whatever, but uh, then people seem to have, uh, then it starts to come back later, later on. Yep, I'd have been interviewed enough people who told me that, 
Now I always wonder, like, how could you forget a UFO hovering <laughs> over your car? Yeah, right. Well, I get, I get it now. How big was this light? It was, it was tiny. It was an orb, mm-hmm. um, a very solid-looking orb, about the size of a golf, golf yeah, a golf ball, mm-hmm. maybe a little bigger. Uh, that was my first real unexplained sighting. Not my last. I've had probably close to a dozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, no, on some level, they are aware of me. And your brother as well. He's had experiences, hasn't he? Yep, my brother chased a UFO. My sister-in-law saw a UFO. Mm. Uh, both right. my sister-in-laws had face-to-face contact with alien entities. I've had friends who've had missing time. People yeah, tell us about uh, Christine uh, Dennett uh, and her story. Uh, you you write about that in one of your chapters. Yeah, yeah, I'm very pleased that uh, she allowed me to include her story and actually did an illustration of. Yeah, these. she's an illustrator. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, um, she did the cover for the book and illustrated the type of beings she saw, which were little mm-hmm. blue beings, very short. Uh-huh. As a little girl in Woodland Hills, actually the same house I was visiting when I had my own <laughs> sighting, uh, she was uh, nine years old, I believe, and uh, slept with her little sister in their bedroom and woke up one evening to see uh, three little figures at the foot of her bed, very short, maybe three, four feet tall. Uh, she wasn't scared. She, you know, She's just looking at them with interest and... Uh, they, the one that was closest to her, pulled the blanket off of her bed, exposing her bare feet, and started sticking these fiber optic like cables onto the soles of her feet. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, it didn't, didn't hurt. It wasn't painful or anything, but it was quite curious. And she's like, What are you doing? And they said, We are recording your memories. Oh, we're, wow. We're, yeah, we, we are taking your memories. And she's Why like, would oh. they want? Why would they want those, do you think? Um, I can only speculate. Uh, this is something I have heard from a number of huh. contactees. They seem to be very interested in us and our perceptions, our emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's just a little girl. I'm like, yeah. not, a nine-year-old doesn't have a whole lot of life experience. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's what they said. I've heard this many times. I've heard very similar accounts of, you know, them poking at people's feet too. So, do you think that's the the mo for recording memories through the feet? Uh, um, I mean, it, is that common? <laughs> so no, weird. no, it's not I common. I haven't heard that at all. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I've heard it only a few times, but I have heard a, a pretty much identical account. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, wow, this is exactly what my sister wants. So most people will just say, oh, no, they were recording my memories. Uh, but a very strange encounter. It went on for two weeks, nightly. Jeez. Mm. She, you mean they came well, back nightly? Yeah. And mm-hmm. she, she always woke up. It was, you know, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Every time she woke up, they were already there. She never saw them arrive. And mm-hmm. She never saw them leave either. She would always fall asleep. Mm. Did she tell her parents? No, she didn't. Uh, it came, she, first of all, she didn't really understand that this was unusual. <laughs> yeah. she, uh, this was something that she just kind of took in stride. 
Uh, she decided not to tell her little sister because her little sister was having some anxieties about the closet area and people oh, coming into the room. Yeah. And she did later discuss it as an adult. And her sister doesn't remember seeing quite the same figures, but does remember beings with blue skin hmm. coming to the room. And uh, yeah, Christie's drawing. I showed it to some other contactees and they were awestruck. They're like, yes, that's exactly what wow. I saw. So she got mm. the representation accurate, I think, of what these beings look like. Yeah. What other kind of ETs are people seeing? Uh, there is a list. Um, <laughs> I, um, I, I will say that by and large, most people, and I mean 60 to 70%, who have contacted me will describe some variation of grays. Yeah. Usually, you know, four to five foot tall, the typical sort of description we hear, large heads, dark wraparound, liquidy eyes, white skinned, jumpsuits, diminutive features. But there's a lot of variation there. Some yeah, aren't, they so, aren't they sometimes uh, the grays also seen with a larger being who seems to be more in control, maybe a praying mantis type? Yep, yep, or taller grays. Yeah. And yeah. of course, there's really small grays too, but yeah. praying mantis is definitely one of the more common types. I get an, I'm not going to say a whole, whole lot, but I would say that that comes second, or perhaps the human looking guys, ones that look pretty much just like us, perhaps a little better looking, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or typically described as very strong, um, six foot tall. Mm. Uh, often when there's groups of them they look very close to each other like brothers and sisters or almost like twins mm. uh, but variation there too you know, there's a term called Nordic which usually describes blonde hair blue eyed type uh -huh. figures right. but I have to tell you that's just not the case uh, they come in all different skin colors Yeah, um, I've heard Mesoamerican uh, one guy Native American he had an encounter with human-looking guys, and he said they looked, or the one he saw looked Middle Eastern, very dark eyes, dark ah. hair, dark skin, mm -hmm. very, very handsome, wearing yeah. a blue suit, silver boots, hmm. very kind. Uh, but, but yeah, there's quite a bit of variation. There's another category I would just call strange humanoids. Because <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you name it, people have described it. And sometimes it's unique. That's not unusual for me to hear someone describe an entity that I've never heard before or since. Mm -hmm. Do you think some of them are living here among us even? Yes. Aware of that? Yeah, I do think that that's probably the case. People have seen what they believe to be ETs in very public areas. Uh-huh, yeah, I've heard. Uh, uh, I mean, Gas stations, bus stations, stores, schools, oh, sure. yeah. casinos. Uh, <laughs> casinos? <laughs> yeah. I actually did a book, UFOs Over Nevada. And Charles Hall, he's a pretty well-known contactee, describes this. I found a number of other cases. It's really quite shocking. But that's true in every state I've written about. New York had some cases, California. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they might be hybrids, possibly. I think so, yeah. Are there any hotspots in Florida that we should go check out? 
Every state does seem to have its hot spot. Yeah. I, I've considered writing a book about Florida. Someone already has. Albert Rosales, I believe. Uh, but yeah, Florida has its hot spot, the Gulf Breeze area. Yeah, Gulf right. Breeze. Yeah, we, we went up there. Which was, you know, heavy duty in the 1990s, yeah. but mm -hmm. it's still active. Hmm. Huh. Any place in South Florida that you know I'm, of? Um, I'm not super familiar with Florida. I, but I will tell you, I'm getting a number of calls from contactees in the Florida area. It's really quite surprising to me because I've talked talking to like three or four just recently. I'm like, huh. You're you're from Florida too? I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people calling me from Florida, yeah. Georgia, mm. Alabama, Louisiana. So something's going any, on there. Yeah. Have you heard any stories uh, about the secret Navy? Uh, base that's out on Andros Island is called Autech uh, in the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah, I've, I'm following that uh, because I have done some research into USOs. Uh -huh. Right, right. Uh, but mostly here, yeah, unidentified submersible objects. Yeah. Uh, but mostly here on the Southern California coast where I'm living right now. Right. I have, I have heard of you know, Autech, but only what's out there in the public arena. I don't have any first-hand information on it. I'm pretty intrigued. I am absolutely convinced our Navy, particularly at the highest levels, uh, is neck deep, pun intended, uh, in, in this subject. I mean, they know a lot. This You follow the trails of the cover-up and it often leads to the Navy. Hmm. Um, Got any Navy whispers in your ear? <laughs> Any whistleblowers? Oh, yeah, I sure do. A number, I've talked to a number of Navy people. One of the most interesting reports I got was from a gentleman, an electrician's mate, actually, ah. on the USS Clamagor, uh, which is a Navy sub. I, I didn't hear the name. What was it? The USS Clamagor. Oh. oh. Uh, and uh, but he told me in Pretty incredible story. Back in 1971, the Clamagor, which, by the way, carried uh, nuclear torpedoes, and I think, and I think that's an important factor here because this the ETs are very, very much interested in keeping close watch on anything nuclear. I think that's what attracted them to the Clamagor. Hmm. But long story short, because this is kind of a long story. Uh, in 1971, the Clamagor was heading east up the coast, the east coast. Uh, I mean, heading north up the east coast at about 12 knots on the surface at night uh, when this USO showed up and paced the sub for about 15 minutes. Jeez. Oh. Yeah. Came in barreling in at about 100 knots, far faster than our, officially our submarines can travel. Did not appear on sonar. Uh, it was came right close to the sub in a very, you know, what we would consider dangerous. It was another uh -huh. craft of our own, uh, which it wasn't, uh, and uh, stayed there. For, yeah, 15 minutes, and then darted off in another direction at about 80 knots. What did it look like? Did they? Did the guy describe it? Yeah, it was just this big circular, bright white light. They couldn't quite tell how deep, but it was. Had to be pretty close to the surface because, I mean, it was bright and 
maybe 50 feet across. I couldn't really tell. It was just this bright, bright light. Totally silent, not on sonar. Uh, he, Ray Sachs, the guy I interviewed, he was on watch duty. He saw it with another petty officer. The commander saw it, the second in command. Uh, and so many of the higher ranking officers came up on deck because they wanted to take a little gander at this thing. No one could identify it. It was the buzz of the whole crew for quite huh. some time, uh, but never reported officially. The second in command turns to the commander and says, sir, how would you like me to record this in the log? This is, <laughs> this is what Ray Sachs told me. And the commander said, people who report this kind of event do not move up in rank. <laughs> yeah, right. So it wasn't recorded. Mm, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, we've uh, heard some stories from uh, civilian uh, workers at OTTEC about uh, their experiences. One of them was out in a boat retrieving uh, uh, torpe uh, torpedoes that had been shot and floated back up. And so he, he was at the back of, uh, on this extension on the back of the boat and was uh, leaning over to pick up one of these uh, torpedoes and he looks down and sees this something coming up that is doesn't look like a submarine uh, and doesn't look, it looks sort of like a huge underwater pipeline or something where they were in 6,000, in water that was over 6,000 feet deep and there was no, no such line like that. Uh, but what it uh, appeared to be would be the the edge of a UFO coming up vertically comes up right under the uh, right under the boat and then it stops and sinks back down out of sight. And he he thought it what he thought it was was some new technology uh, that they were experimenting with that he didn't uh, know about and that he would hear about it. But you know years go by and he said there's. He's never heard any explanation of what that what that might be. So. He needs to talk to the question <laughs> yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, they target voters. Uh, I don't think this is government doing this. That's not the, how they would test their advanced right. craft. Yeah. Yeah. But over and over again, I hear this same sort of thing. Someone will see a glow in the water and it comes right for their boat, goes mm. right under it, <laughs> or it just appears right under it. So yeah. I, I think they're sort of I don't know, announcing their presence, perhaps. Question, mm -hmm. right. mm. yeah. um, do you know of anybody who's ever been taken and hasn't returned? I do, yeah. You do? Mm. Yes, I mean, I know of several cases in the literature. I do have one case of my own. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, there are several famous cases. Frederick Valentik in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another case, Felix Monkla Jr., uh, pilot, an Air Force pilot, was vectored to a UFO over Lake Superior. This was hmm. quite some time ago. And uh, yeah, the radar operators watched his blip merge with the blip of the UFO. Jeez. And then the UFO took off. Mm -hmm. And that's so it? That, he hasn't been heard from since? No, well, young man, oh. you know, like 21, 22 years old, I believe. Hmm. Uh, maybe even younger. So I always wonder where Felix Moncla Jr. is. Uh, but, what case do you have that you said you've... Yeah, I do have one case myself. I, I wrote about it in my book, Onboard UFO Encounters. I interviewed this gentleman 
who was actually a friend of my sister's. I met him at the Renaissance Fair. I worked there for a year, uh, which was a lot of fun. But uh, this guy I interviewed, Tony is his name, uh, found out I was a UFO researcher and really wanted to talk to me because he had this really incredible experience. Hmm. Uh, and this was back in, gosh, I believe it was the 70s, late <coughs> 70s, where he and his friends, his uh, teenagers, you know, well, let's see, 19, 20, 21, 22, had a, he had a group of friends. And they'd go up to this cabin that one of them, well, one of their parents owned up in the high desert of Southern California, Palmdale area, and just hang out for a weekend, have a good time. Uh, and six six guys, and uh, so they were up there one weekend, and uh, one of the guys, Paul, that's his real name, decided he was going to go take a hike, and didn't come back for a long time, and they were about to send out a search party, because they, like, what happened to Paul, <laughs> when suddenly Paul shows up with an incredible story, and says, guys, you're not going to believe it, I came upon a landed UFO. And they're like, what? Shut up. And he's like, no, 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 for real. And uh, Tony um, was very interested because he's had a number of paranormal experiences, always believed in UFOs, and had Paul describe what he saw. And Paul said, I <coughs> on this object, it was landed at the base of a cliff. Jeez. There was people walking around it. He walked up to the, them, and they weren't normal-looking people. Close, but not quite. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They were they were bald, had large dark eyes, very pale skin, and wearing white jumpsuits, but otherwise looked very human, maybe hybrids, I, I would guess. Uh, but they were walking around their craft. They invited him on board, said it was very clean, uh-huh. uh, all white inside, lots of high-tech equipment. And they said that they were studying this area, and uh, it was a pretty brief visit, and they offered to... Um, to uh, take him with them. And they said, well, you won't be able to return. (laughs) And he said, well, no, but thank you. (laughs) And they said, well, you know, we're coming back here next year at this exact time. So if you'd like to come back in a year, we will be here. Hmm. Which which book is this in of yours? This is in uh, my recent book, On Board, UFO Encounters. And so... Long story short, again, uh, now I mean, this is the story he told his friends, and it was clear to Tony, the guy I interviewed, that he was telling the truth. He's not the kind of mm-hmm. guy to joke around. He's very serious. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhat emotional about this, and uh, a year goes by, and he starts giving his stuff away. Jeez. And, and his friends are a little concerned, and Tony goes up to him and says, "You know, are you? What are you doing? Are you planning on going out there?" Paul says, yeah, I think I will. Oh, like, are, are you going to go with them if you see them? He says, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to play it by ear. And so he did. He drove up there alone and didn't come back. And after Ever? three or, No. And after three or four days, uh, Tony, his friends, and actually Paul's parents drove up there and found Paul's car with the keys in it. Oh, God. And no trace of Paul. They had to call the police. There was a missing persons investigation. Hmm. The police asked what happened, and everyone's like, well, <laughs> here, here's what Tony's, or I mean, Paul said. 
so, I mean, we have no firsthand evidence that Paul was taken by these guys or invited on board, but that seems to be what happened because, yeah, he's missing till this day. And not what, the only case happen? I know of. What year? Uh, I believe it was 1978. Oh. Well, it'd be nice if he came back and told us what happened, <laughs> <laughs> where he's been and what's going on. Right. I know of another case in Hawaii. I know two cases in New Mexico. Uh, this is something that does happen, and there are a lot of missing people. There's a famous singer who had a sighting and, and then later disappeared, very close up contact. Hmm. His family thinks he was take, taken. and So, yeah, I wonder if a lot of... Well, here's actually an interesting aside to all this. I was talking to a contactee from Maine, and she got a lot of information from the Greys. Um, hmm. They were telling answering all her questions and gave her quite a bit of information and they told her at one point if people should start disappearing from this planet it's being done by us and it's for the greater good jeez i noticed i noticed in your book you uh you do mention that uh people occasionally have conversations with them but usually they're brief or they're they're kind of deceptive but uh you mentioned one case in particular where this woman had a quite a detailed conversation uh could you tell us a little bit was that, that the contactee from maine i don't know um well that's one case in this latest book uh wondrous yeah i, I did talk to a lady who had an incredibly long conversation right yeah and I think what's going on here is she overcame her fear. And when you do that, you get more than, you know, just don't be afraid. We won't hurt you. Uh -huh. And uh, what happened to her? I mean, it's a long story, uh, but she had a pretty rough childhood with, with this because they kept coming to her room and the whole room would fill up with light mm -hmm. and she had missing time. Her parents weren't receptive. It was quite traumatic for her initially. And finally, she just left home at a young age. She couldn't take it. Uh, this was in California. She ended up moving to the East Coast, and her experiences stopped. And uh, finally, you know, after doing some healing and uh, research, she realized, oh, this is probably UFO-related. She's had, you know, some close-up sightings and figured out that, yeah, this was probably ETs visiting her. Hmm. So that frightened her started having some weird beeping tones in her ears that freaked her out. And she did more research and realized it could be an implant. That's when she started seeing UFOs again, uh, had a missing pregnancy. It's quite a long story. Wow. Grays came into her house, her husband saw them, <clears throat> uh, but she overcame her fear. And uh, one day she's uh, in her home and she's just decided to sort of telepathically reach out to see if uh, she could contact her hybrid son oh. that she had seen on board a craft. She was taken on board and held this baby. And to her shock, she did. Hmm. And he introduced himself and said his name was Sen. And hmm. she, she, she asked him, are you my son? And he said, well, not like you would think of it, but I do have your genetics huh uh, how old is he uh he didn't say she didn't ask mm -hmm. yeah. uh but she, she did ask why why are you taking me you know why have i been taken 
and he said, well, we, we are very interested in your genetics. Uh, you're very emotional beings, and we are interested in reintroducing emotions into our genetic stock because we have bred them out. Huh. We, have, we have lost the ability to reproduce due to genetic manipulation to help facilitate space travel. And uh, we are now you know, trying to reinvigorate our race. Mm, yeah. I've, I've so how are, how are these uh, communications happening? Are they speaking English to them or are, are these telepathic uh, experiences? Yep, this was in English, um, largely through imagery. Uh, but okay. yeah, some, some, sometimes just straight out English words. It depends on your primary language. If uh -huh. you speak Spanish, they will speak Spanish. Huh. If, you speak, if you speak Dutch, they will say to you in Dutch, don't be afraid, huh. they won't hurt you. Ah. Or, or French, or whatever. So they will speak in your primary language. I know, I know a lady, she's <clears throat> Swedish. They tell her, talk to her in Swedish. Hmm. Uh, Preston, uh, you said, okay, they, that they, were, they said they were, these missing people, they were missing for the good of humanity. But does that, I mean, have any of these people received information that the planet's in peril, this planet? Yes, uh -huh. yes. In fact, I would say that that's the main message. Yeah. If, if you do get a message, the most common message is this planet is in peril. What are you doing? In particular, they will cite our use of nuclear weapons, nuclear uh -huh. materials. Uh, but it's not just that. Uh, they are very concerned about uh, pollution, <coughs> very concerned about are destroying the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, very concerned about our warlike ways. Um, the lady from Maine, they told her, you must stop putting out the greed and negativity that you are putting out because you will destroy your planet like we did. And we don't want you to go through that. Huh. Uh, so that is absolutely their number one message. But they're concerned about our use of fossil fuels. They're concerned about our lack of spiritual progress. And this is a huge agenda for them to wake us up spiritually. Mm. They are, are trying very hard to reintroduce us to our own abilities to do telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, huh. healing. Uh, this is universal. When people who are having extensive contact at all, will come back spiritually enlightened to a certain degree mm -hmm. and become very they interested. They come back with psychic abilities? Yep, yep. Huh. Interesting. This is a general rule. It's very, very common. So, so Preston, where are they from? Uh, <laughs> what, what kind of uh, answers have you gotten uh, uh, heard on that question? Uh, this is the million-dollar question, and <laughs> don't have a lot of answers on this. They seem to be a little bit concerned about revealing their exact location for obvious reasons, because we do have a hold of some of their technology, and we might have the ability to, to do space travel. And we're a pretty warlike species, very aggression, mm -hmm. and I think they're concerned about that. So they're a bit tight-lipped about this. Often people have asked and they'll say things like, it's not important, or you wouldn't understand, or we're from a place you don't know about yet. Uh, but not always. Uh, Orion, the constellation, has been mentioned. Certainly Zeta Reticula, 
That's not just right. Betty, Betty and Barney Hill saying that. That does mm -hmm. turn up in a number of cases. Uh, but yeah, Arctur, Arcturus. Uh, yeah, you have one uh, that mentions Arcturus, but then says, but not really. That's what you, <laughs> that's what you can think of it as. <laughs> yeah, we, we really don't know for sure, but I am convinced that it's not like from our future or from some weird interdimensional place. Okay, so it's an actual place. I, yeah, I believe these are biological beings like us, mm. people who fly around in ships. I mean, this is what the evidence is showing us, but from other planets. Mm. Um, and I do know contactees who have been taken to other planets. Uh, so this does Physically? turn up. Oh yeah, it's uh -huh. not, su not super common. I think it's difficult to get these kind of accounts because a lot of people do have a strong fear reaction, but mm -hmm. some don't. And if you don't, yeah. What do they describe? I mean, do, does it have landscapes? I mean, what? Yeah, yeah they describe um, flora and fauna very much like our own, but slightly different. Mm -hmm. So we will have, you know, trees, plants, birds, fish, oh. you know, qu quadrupeds, you know, furry animals. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. very much the same, and sometimes um, exactly the same. I mean, hmm. what so Preston, yeah, okay. Yeah, so Preston, you're not really a believer in the, what uh, Jim Mosley of uh, Saucer Smear uh, fame used to call th uh, the three-and-a-half-D uh, ex explanation of where they're from. In other words, interdimensional, like possibly right from Earth here in another dimension. I mean, that that's some of them have said that too, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, and I've looked into this. Um, and the fact is, we are all interdimensional. I mean, this is something if you seriously look into it, we have the ability to do uh, astral projection, soul right. travel, call it yeah. what you will. Mm -hmm. We're all going to the other side at some point. Yeah, uh, we haven't mastered it as a technology, but I believe the ETs have, and I believe that's what they are—extraterrestrials. Uh, yes, they have the ability to do some form of time travel. Yes, they can travel interdimensionally, but that does not preclude them from being extraterrestrial. I mean, the extraterrestrial theory—gosh, it's almost more than a theory at this point. I think we've got a pretty good handle on what they are, but it's so darn logical. I mean, looking at all the stars, it makes perfect sense that we aren't alone. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are biological beings. We know this. Uh, and it just makes absolute logical, perfect sense that there are others out there. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them have appeared actually with uh, dead people that... Uh, yeah, Willie Strieber writes the, about the, that. Uh, the people know, uh, lo uh, deceased loved ones. Now, th there's two explanations for that that I think uh, could be one would be that they are able to travel into this dimension <clears throat> where the, the dead exist, the other side, or the other thing explanation might be that they present these images of a lost loved one to, to thinking that it'll make you feel better if you see them. So that's you know another another possibility. Have you encountered any cases like that either? You know I haven't, which is kind of surprising to me because I have heard this. I think it might be somewhat rare. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really quite sure what to make of it, but I do feel like when someone, you know, I've looked into near-death experiences, mm. which, which does have a lot of similarities to an onboard UFO encounter. And when someone's taken on board a UFO, uh, it, there is an interdimensional aspect to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, these beings have the ability to transform their craft into any shape. They're bigger on the inside than on the outside. Uh, there can be very symbolic elements. Uh, you know, the, there are thought forms and screen mm -hmm. memories. And right. So, so it, I right. think yeah. to some extent, when you're taken on board a UFO, you are in essence on the astral plane. Right. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me that some people are, you know, seeing uh, deceased loved ones or right. what we would think of as spirits. But I don't get a mm -hmm. whole lot of cases like this. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know. It could be screen memories. It could. You know, we have a friend who's had a lifetime. Uh, history of experiences and contacts and abductions experiences and one of them uh, unusual one was she was abducted after what are you talking about Connie Debbie oh, De oh Deborah Deborah right mm -hmm. she was abducted after uh, going to a rock concert <laughs> and she was taken aboard this craft and there in the craft with the uh, three beings was the lead singer from the group that she had seen, Axl Rose, <laughs> was was uh, was there, and and she looks and she became enraged. She said, "What's he doing here?" And the the response was, "We thought you liked him," and and then <clears throat> Axl Rose just became another gray, <laughs> you know, oh, wow. like trans transformed. Preston, you should talk to this woman. She's she's <laughs> she's, she's fascinating. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know they do put on screen memories. Yeah. Uh, and I have heard them all. Well, I haven't heard Axl Rose before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, particularly for children, because this isn't a phenomenon that if you are an experiencer, if you're being taken on board, it often happens during early childhood. Mm -hmm. and, I'll t and I've talked to a lot of these people who've had this experience where beings come into the room. And often it is some sort of screen memory or i'll say it disguise uh, yeah right uh, but it can be teddy bears superheroes <laughs> barbie Jeez. dolls clowns yeah. that turns up quite often. clowns that would scare me <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah there's chlorophobia it's pretty common <laughs> in our society <laughs> it makes me wonder <gasps> right uh, but yeah the screen memory phenomena is fairly prominent but on the other hand uh a lot of people are being contacted, and I've looked into this. It's evenly divided between men and women. Hmm. I don't think it's blood type. It's not race. And I've talked to all different types of races. Hmm. But it's uh, family history, isn't it? A lot of times, like three generations or more. Yep. 50, 60 percent of the people I've talked to, yeah, it does seem to track their family. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a major factor. Also, your psychic ability, if you're profoundly mm -hmm. psychic, they seem to be attracted to that or will certainly activate it in you. But another thing I found was your profession, <laughs> your job. Really? Yes. And what, what professions are most common? Uh, there's sort of a pattern to this, and it's a loose pattern, I will say that, but it turns up. And what I found is that people who are doing good work for humanity in some way, helping others, uh 
have a tendency to be more likely to have contact. Mm-hmm. By that, I would mean, because I kept getting social workers or environmentalists. I'm like, mm. this is this is odd. Yeah. So, I, so I made it a point always to ask, you know, your profession. Right. It's, it's social workers, environmentalists, human rights activists, doctors, yeah. lots of doctors, police officers, teachers, artists, musicians. <laughs> they love musicians. Oh. So yeah. you mentioned Axl Rose. I'm like, huh. Uh, but How about writers? <laughs> yeah, yep, writers. Absolutely. Um, art, about- artists. How about when they appear over playgrounds? That's kind of interesting with children. Yeah, yeah, of course, you've heard of the Rua Zimbabwe aerial elementary case. They landed, right. Uh, And that was the one that really sparked my interest in this, because I knew of another case in uh, uh, Broadhaven Elementary School in Wales. Mm -hmm. And I thought, huh, I wonder if this is a thing. And I looked into it, and I started... I immediately found a number of really well-known cases. There's one in Opalaka, Florida. Ah, Opalaka. Okay. <laughs> yep. Crestview Elementary School land, landed next to the school. Another in Melbourne, Australia, Westall High School. Um, 200 kids saw it, 300. This is a, huh. Australia's most widely viewed UFO incident. Very well-known. So I started digging deeper. and I, you know, I've been in this field for decades. And I was, I mean, this knocked my socks off. Mm. I could not believe what I found. I found over 100 cases of UFOs hovering over schools. I ended up doing a whole book on the schoolyard UFO encounters. And these are not coincidences. These schools are being directly targeted. They appear from, you know, way high up or the horizon and come zooming down towards the school Mm. and stop. And hover around it and stay there for a long time. Do they land? They, they land, land, yeah, in 30% of the cases. Uh-huh. So that's very high percentage. Because Funny how you never covered. hear about this in the news. <laughs> yeah, they've been effectively covered up. Often yeah. makes only the local news. Right, yeah, oftentimes local mm-hmm. news has the most interesting UFO stories. Uh, how about are are you being interviewed more often now by the mainstream media? Is that uh, uh, happening with with uh, the great inter- increased interest in the subject? Oh yeah, yeah, I sure am. I've done more um, interviews of all kinds. Recently appeared on uh, Expedition Unknown. X or, yeah, Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rob is on. Yeah, and get this, this. Really shocks me. You'll never guess who called me the Kardashians. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, so I got to talk to Kim and Chloe. Um, they they Zo- had experiences. Yeah, yep. Wow. Talked to them through Zoom. They did a little episode on their show last season. Hmm. It, it aired just last month, where they wanted to try and call down a UFO <laughs> and, um, using you know CE5 protocols, uh-huh. human human-initiated contact. I told him how to do it. Go out late at night, you know, meditate, bring a flashlight, calm him down. Yeah. And they did. Something appeared. Unfortunately, huh. they, they ran back inside, <laughs> which I told him not to do. I'm like, this thing could have come down for a landing. They could have had full-on contact on reality TV. It would have been awesome. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but they you think that's how disclosure is going to happen? <laughs> 
I well, felt it's going to be the government. Not. <laughs> why not? It's going to happen one way or another. I think it probably will happen through CE5 work, more likely than you know the government saying, yeah, we, right. the Roswell is real. No, they're never going to say that. And we know it is. Yeah. Um, show us the Roswell craft. Stop showing us these blurry films and yeah, talking exactly. about you know, recent, quote, sightings. I'm like, sightings, really? That's what you're... <laughs> quote starting to research they've been researching this since 1940s they know no no for sure have the solid evidence they know what this is and they're not saying they probably will never say unless they're absolutely forced why why not just what what's the point of keeping it secret um panic think, no no not at this I, point because um, most people already believe in this subject. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's saturating our culture. Mm -hmm. they, they may use that excuse, but they, they're not panicking. Well, maybe they are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're calling it a threat. It's not a threat. I mean, be, let's be serious here. These guys have been around ETs for millennia. Mm -hmm. They are very advanced technologically and spiritually. <laughs> they were going to take over. They would have uh, had plenty of opportunities to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it would take a second. They, they could do it. And oh. we're not seeing that. It's ridiculous. Uh, but I think the cover-up has a number of driving forces behind it. And one is that sort of a habit. <laughs> this is a policy they've adopted since the very beginning. Uh, have they painted themselves into a corner? This mm -hmm. is something they've always done. But ultimately, I think it's power, greed, uh, uh, corruption. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a hold of this hardware. They know a lot. And they're not about to give up the money that they're mm. getting. From, you know, the, it's a, the military industrial complex. It's the one yeah. percenters that are behind this. It's the highest levels of the military, which are not elected officials. Uh, so I am not sure we're going to get any real truths from these guys who, you know, that recent nine page, oh, thanks for the nine pages. Yeah, right. Of, uh, you know, it's basically lies. I'm like, seriously, you listed balloons? And seriously, <laughs> that's a radar clutter? Um, China and, you know, Russia? I mean, <laughs> maybe it's us. I'm like, what? Is the Pentagon doesn't even know if it's themselves? Yeah, right. My yeah. God. That makes well, zero sense. What yeah. do you think about these, you know, like this Branson flight? and what that could evolve into. How's that gonna affect contact or ETs? Uh, yeah, I think what might happen is ETs will show up. And, yeah, they that's are what doing. I was hoping for today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was watching like fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Too. Just a craft coming right next to them, you know. <laughs> because that could happen. I think it very well might happen. Uh -huh. Because what I come to, believe, and I think this is backed up, I, for, I can march out all kinds of cases, like the schoolyard cases. Mm -hmm. There is a vigorous publicity campaign on the part of the ETs to announce their presence in a way that causes, you know, not a whole lot of giant waves in society. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't think they want to collapse religion and economy and business and so <laughs> forth. Uh, they want to do this in a way that is as gentle as possible because we're a pretty flighty people. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we, we have a tendency to react emotionally. How about and, helping us through healing? 
doing uh, types of healing that uh, we aren't capable of doing. Yeah. Or that we are capable of doing, we don't know it. Yeah. Yeah, this is why I'm so encouraged, and this is why I want people to really think about what is happening to people who are taken on board a craft. Mm -hmm. Because it, people describe a lot of fear. Um, people are like, oh, they're kidnapping me against my will. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, hold on a second. What is happening here? When someone's taken on board, the most common thing is being physically examined. And this can be scary. Mm -hmm. uh, and, in fact, sometimes painful. Uh, often, if a person experiences pain, it will uh, be relieved immediately. They will put, put you unconscious. Uh, but healing a person is a primary ET agenda. This is the subject of one of my books, The Healing Power of UFOs. What is it called? The Healing Power of oh, UFOs. Mm -hmm. and, and I've documented 300 plus cases. Wow. That's a lot. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. What kind of healings? Can you give an example or two? Um, actually, you name it. Flesh wounds, broken bones, oh. burns, stomach aches, huh. cold, colds and flus, uh, serious illnesses, tumors, cysts. Uh, cancer? 30 cases of cancer. Jeez. Oh. Um, eye problems, kidney stones, liver disease, heart disease. Uh, oh. You name it. It is there, and it's not just me. I've got a number of healing cases myself, but pretty much every researcher down the line has cases like these. They're not commonly talked about, but Bud Hopkins, he yeah. told me firsthand, yes. David Jacobs, John Mack, Edith Fiore, PhD, Barbara Lamb, Yvonne Smith, Timothy Green Beckley, and Jeez. I can go down the list. They all have healing cases. Philip Mantle, uh -huh. Timothy Good. Uh, this is a primary ET agenda. That's interesting. Uh -huh. So don't be afraid. They're not here to hurt you. This is what they always say, and it's true. <clears throat> when someone's taken on board, they're physically examined. They're often physically healed. They're given warnings. They are taken to the engine room, told how the craft works. They're taken to the control room, told how the craft flies, actually allowed to fly the craft. I've got many cases huh. of this. They are given spiritual information about their past lives, about how to do astral travel, about how to do healing. This is okay, very I'm ready. common. I'm ready to be taken. <laughs> this is fascinating. Yeah, but, the, but then on the other side of the coin, you have uh, women who are pregnant, have lost their pregnancies. And, uh, you know, that one case you have is pretty dramatic. I think it's like your third chapter, where second or third chapter, where the woman was seven months pregnant and suddenly was no longer pregnant. Yeah, yeah. And that can be traumatic. Yeah. And uh, this is something that people have, as near as I can tell, have agreed to participate in. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, yeah, this was sort of an outlier type of case because usually there are a number of cases where people have missing pregnancies, but it's a two, three months, maybe right. four months on the outside edge. But this was at seven and a half months. Oh. And it was devastating for them. I mean, they had told their family they had you know, built a nursery. They had you know, verified the pregnancy, heard the heartbeat, <laughs> felt the baby kicking. Yeah. This was, hmm. they sent me the medical records. So this was absolutely real. Yeah. Uh, but the wife actually took this somewhat in stride. She says, I really, really feel 
like my baby is in good hands. Jeez. And so there, is it, uh, you think it's an issue with their uh, genetic material has uh, reached a point where they, they need to bring in um, human uh, <coughs> DNA to, to continue their race or what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And this really speaks to who the greys are and what's our relationship with them. Because yeah. uh, they're interbreeding with us. Okay, this is interesting. There are human-looking ETs. This is more interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been told by a number of contactees that the greys are essentially human and did once look like us, mm-hmm. exactly like us. Huh. And, and uh, so this is what they're trying to do. And... That chapter in my book, Conversation with Sen, mm-hmm. is just one case of many I have, and which is the same story. This is what the greys in particular are telling people. And these are people who don't read UFO books, who don't mm-hmm. know each other, mm-hmm. uh, who have stayed away from the UFO subject often because you know they were not too happy with it initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean and, because of an experience? Yeah, it scares them, so they don't want to hear about UFOs, so they don't watch TV when the UFOs come on. Uh, But by and large, uh, people that I've talked to usually turn around at some point and say, you know what, I don't think this was bad for me. In Mm -hmm. fact, I'm happy it happened. Mm -hmm. Not everyone, I'm not going to say these are all our space brothers and this is puppies and rainbows and lollipops, because it's not. Uh, some people do have negative experiences. Some people have have you know, suffered PTSD and night terrors. Uh-huh. Uh, some people have their health has suffered. It's not all good. There is a bell curve here. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, but by and large, if you look at what happens, uh, the ETs are more benevolent than humans. They really are. Uh, they have never dropped a nuclear bomb on our planet. Yeah. What do you think of the idea that they might be partially robotic? Uh, yes. Yeah. There is. There are AI aliens, artificial intelligence. Yeah. There are there are robotic uh, figures that people see, particularly mm-hmm. the small little greys, maybe three mm-hmm. foot tall, that are kind of marching lockstep and yeah. seem very unemotional and take people mm-hmm. into the craft where they're met by taller greys. Uh, who who are, generally speaking, emotional and often loving, even. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, I believe, and I've been told, that they are essentially what we would call androids, Mm -hmm. biological androids. Yeah. Uh, Preston, has anybody ever seen a dog or a cat on board an alien craft? You know, I mean, are there pets? (laughs) Um, Interesting you should say that. Um, I haven't heard of, like, aliens keeping pets, uh, quite like us. we do, yeah. uh, but many people, <clears throat> I don't want to say many, but this certainly does happen, people will be taken on board with their dog or their cat, okay. uh, or people will see animals. I mean, some of these cases are really interesting. I'm, I know a case where a lady was taken on board, actually several cases, I wrote about this, where people are taken to what amounts to a, gr- a greenhouse or an arboretum. A forest, a lady saw a pine forest on board, for real. People are taken to, I'll just say it, alien zoos, where there are all kinds of animals, uh, earth animals and not earth animals. You mean within the shift, within the craft? 
within the craft. One lady was taken to a very large craft. Giraffe, elephants, <laughs> um, you know, fish. You know, there's large lakes and stuff that are in some of these craft, large reservoirs. Uh, so so in, in essence, these are like little Noah's Arks or yeah, big Noah's Arks because like. uh, they're very worried about our planet and this destruction we're doing. So they are collecting all species of plants and wow. animals, flowers, grasses, trees. They are collecting alligators, oh cattle, God. dogs, yeah, right. cats, yeah. rabbits. I mean, you name it. They have collected it. Humans will not go extinct, even if we should blow ourselves to smithereens. Hmm. They have our genetics. There are humans being raised on board UFOs from birth. Hmm. Huh. Have you written about the animal? Uh, yeah, is that another book? <laughs> is that your next book? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I wrote about that in my Not From Here series. Oh. Okay. I've got volumes one through three. Volume four is coming soon. Those are more about the outlier type of cases that uh -huh. a lot of people don't like to talk about, like UFOs over graveyards. Um, who knew yeah. that was a thing? Yeah. Or people who've shot at UFOs or UFOs over prisons. They are coming down mm. over prisons. People are being abducted from prisons and really? put back, yeah, put back into their cell. Unfortunately for them. Uh, oh, they're that, abducted and then returned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like if you're really disappointing. <laughs> gonna do a jailbreak, you know? Come on, free the guy. <laughs> Speaking of animals, uh, the Abonro snowman or Yeti, uh, they seem to be possibly interdimensional uh, creatures because they, uh, they're there in a, a certain area. People see them. They seem to be physical, and then they like, follow like their tracks, and then when they just disappear and vanish, uh, come and go, which uh, you know seems to be that they are. Uh, some kind of uh, interdimensional uh, creatures or from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's funny, I, early on in my research, I started to realize there's a paranormal aspect to all of this. So I very quickly became a ghost researcher. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and I started looking into near-death experiences and psychic yeah. powers and right. let human, le I mean, human levitation. I just went down the list. Mm. And I resisted Bigfoot because I'm like, oh, I'm afraid it might be real. <laughs> I don't want to get into this. I know it's a can of worms. Uh, but, you know, and sure enough, it was it real. It was a real and it was a real can of worms. Uh, and I was forced to investigate it because I'm not going to ignore evidence. Right. You don't solve any mysteries that way. And I got a, um, I'm sorry. What about crop circles? Ah, yeah, I haven't dug deep into that. Okay, but uh, I certainly know some reason. <laughs> I've looked into it. I haven't investigated firsthand. Yeah, uh, but it's absolutely a real phenomenon. It's not Doug and Dave from England yeah. <laughs> who are yeah. doing it. Um, th this is absolutely real. I mean, we've proven this. Researchers have proven it. That there are ways to tell a genuine crop circle from a human-made one. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Preston. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, just jumping back to Bigfoot real quick. Uh, I am the evidence is overwhelming. It's absolutely compelling. It's a worldwide phenomena. And it's weird because there are some cases of small minority which intersect perfectly with UFOs. Mm -hmm. uh, people will see UFOs and Bigfoot at the same time. This is how Jeez. I started researching. Right. Yeah. 
exactly. Oh, big yeah. books. I had a case just like that. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that they are real. Some connection. Uh, I think they are intelligent, at least some of them. And yeah, do have the ability to turn invisible. I have first-hand cases. Hmm. Uh, can travel interdimensionally and yeah. have been here for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, oh. Probably millennia. I mean, the Native Americans oh. have a long, long oral tradition where they've been around forever. So yeah, we share this planet with other intelligent species. Oh. No, Preston, uh, uh, our dog, Nigel, <laughs> uh, Golden Retriever, has woken up and walked over, but this, between us, the show is he, over. <laughs> he does this every time he knows when we come to the end of the hour, and he is here telling us that we've uh, reached the end of the hour, and we want to thank you for... Well, I want to wait. I want to know, what's your next book? Ah, I'm so excited. This is going to yeah. be a, a humdinger. Okay. I, have, um, I am in touch with a contactee who has full conscious contact her whole life. Oh, uh, she has got the most extensive story of anybody I have ever talked ah, to. Great. So I am super excited about that. I'm working with her. I've done hundreds of hours of interviews. What's <laughs> the kidding. title going to be? Uh, there is a working title. I'm not quite ready to mm. release it yet. Okay. We'll be looking uh, forward uh, to that one. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be amazing. I'm hoping to get that out maybe later this year or certainly by early next year. Yeah, you're very prolific. That's Boy, for you sure. sure are. Hey, it's an important subject. This is going it to change is. the world. Yeah. There, there will be open official contact. There will be disclosure one way or another. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, we'll see. Let's hope it happens sooner than later. <laughs> yes, I'm right I mean, there who, with you. Who's timing it? Do you think the ETs? Uh, well, I know. Yeah, I know the government is tightly controlling their aspect of disclosure, yeah. but I think the driving force is the ETs, and they're like, right. "Do it, do it now, or we will." And I think they're going. They're on the edge. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. They're like ready. Well, there's a question that we can't seem to get along with each other, and how are we <laughs> going to get along with them? You know, that's, that might be the one of the problems with, uh, you know, things being delayed. Uh, yeah. but, but maybe if if we did, like Ronald Reagan said, that we would all we'd all come together as a as a uh, you know as a human race if. Uh, if we did recognize that there there were uh, alien, we might also be completely kill them, kill them. You know, <laughs> right, I mean, yeah, I know. That's not, no, they're not here to kill us. I think we will come together. Uh, the problem is, I think fear is taught to yeah. us, and this is why we have divisiveness. Mm -hmm. This is why the ET's primary agenda is to wake people up spiritually. Right, spiritually evolve, you guys. That's that's what they're trying to tell us, and we're we're doing it. Yeah, slowly. Well, that's a good point of ending it. Uh, yeah, Preston. Preston, thank you so much. You're so interesting. <laughs> okay, thank well, you. Well, thank you, Preston. We'll send you the link when it comes up and comes out. Other. We'll look Very forward cool. to your next, uh, your next book. As soon as, contact us as soon as you've got your next book. <laughs> <laughs> I sure will. Thank you. Okay. Good thank having you, so you on much. again. Thank you. Yeah, always a pleasure. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for joining the Mystical Underground. Visit www.themysticalunderground.com for the latest blog post and book info. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Listen to the podcast at podcast.themysticalunderground.com. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Send email to podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.